boring message. The riches of this world could never satisfy. Only you. Only you can satisfy. Only God can satisfy. Only our relationship with Jesus Christ will satisfy us. And, and you know, we, we sort of flop in and out of that, don't we? Because it's about focus. And sometimes our focus can be shifted onto, onto a, an area that we go after and, and it can be at the exclusion of God. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a light show, but that's all right. It can be the, at the exclusion of what God wants for us in that particular moment or time. So in, um, in Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, it just says, The earth is the Lord and all its fullness. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The common English Bible says the earth is the Lord's with all its wealth. So everything that there is in this world, according to Scripture, belongs to God. He ultimately is the owner of all that there is. So if we believe that, what does that make us? If he owns it all, everything is his, what does that make, what does that make us? If you've got your Bibles, you might like to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And we'll see what Peter says. <laughs> I'm going to start in verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, Peter wrote that 2,000 years ago. The end of all things is at hand. Guess what? The end of all things is closer at hand than when that was written. <laughs> The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. That's what his love did, did it not? Actually, it didn't cover them it eradicated them it removed them what jesus accomplished and it says be hospitable to one another without grumbling how do we go with that how's our hospitality without grumbling we can be hospitable and um <laughs> and if it puts us out a little bit be a bit grumbly but be hospitable without grumbling but then i want to get on to these ones Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So I ask that question, 
if we believe that God owns it all, what does that make us? It actually makes us a steward. A steward of what ultimately belongs to God. Now that word steward, if you look at the Greek meaning of it, it means a house distributor. A house distributor or a treasurer. So if you've got a treasurer in an organisation, just a natural organisation, that person is responsible for where the money goes. The treasurer does not own the money. If the treasurer makes the mistake of thinking that the money in their control is for their use, they get to go to jail because that's called embezzlement. (laughs) That's just on a natural level. A treasurer... A house distributor, a steward of the manifold grace of God. Now, manifold means many faceted. And that word grace, once again, the, the Greek definition, the divine influence on the heart upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So the grace of God, we have received the grace of God. That's what he's done in our heart. And it's supposed to then have a reflection that outworks in our life. But it is a reflection. What we do is a reflection of what he's done. A reflection of what he's done. So as, as, as each one has received a gift, so it didn't even come from us, it's a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God or let him speak what God says to speak. If anyone ministers, now, if anyone ministers, what's that? Basically everything else, administration, administering. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which, which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So what God has done in us is supposed to be reflected out from us and that will bring glory to God. Now Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter 8, And verse 7, he says to the Corinthian church, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So what's the grace he's talking about there? It's actually giving. Okay, if you look in that passage... Um, my Bible, New King James, at the start of chapter 8, says excel in giving, a little heading there. So they were doing good in a whole lot of areas and he, he was um, talking uh, in, in there about um, some the churches of Macedonia, how they were um, operating in this area, in this grace. And he said, see that you abound in this grace also. Now, part of what that word grace means, some of the other words that go in that meaning, is benefit, favour, gift, 
liberality, joy, and pleasure. It's a good list, isn't it? If that was coming out from us to others and giving glory to God, it's a good place. It's a good place to be. So there is a purpose in God, sorry, there is a purpose in allowing God to stretch us in our giving. Just over the page in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, I'll read from verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So what's that? All benefit, all favour, all gift, all liberality, all joy, all pleasure. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. What does that mean? I'm co- all my bases are covered and God is supplied so that I can give out abundantly and meet, um, meet needs as, as, they, as, as they appear or as, as God moves me to, to meet them. As it is written, he has dispersed the broad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. It's a quote from Psalm 112. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. There it is again. Ultimately, when we're operating in this grace, it is giving thanksgiving to God. God gets the glory. That is his. That is his domain. That belongs to him. And when we operate in what God has given us, it will bring glory to him. Glory to God. So it all comes from him and as we use it according to his grace, he gets the glory. So I've got a question. So what about, what about your stuff? What about my stuff? Is it mine? <laughs> you know, we can, look, we can look at what was happening in the early church and that's a foretaste. It's a foretaste of what God is going to produce in his last day church. It's a foretaste of what is possible. It's a, it's a, it's a window into what is possible. And, you know, some of the things that were happening in the early church, you think, wow, that is right out there. But this is Acts chapter 4 and verse 32 two. And listen to the attitude of the heart of these people. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. That means that they were in agreement. They thought the same way. They were believed, the multitude of those who believed. Now, you know, there was 120 on the day of Pentecost. That grew really quickly, okay? 3,000 from the first message, 
but then it continued to grow. It says, you know, the number of them got to 5,000 and, and it just rolled on. Now the, <clears throat> now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Are we there yet? <laughs> you know that movie, the Finding Nemo? Yeah. Mine, 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 mine. But you know, as we yield our hearts to God, God is going to do the work because he promises he will with a yielded heart. And attitudes can change and God can move on a yielded heart. And we can be house distributors. <laughs> we can be those who recognise and believe, well, it's all your, <laughs> it's, it's yours, Lord. You've put it in my hand. Let me use it the way that you've purposed for me to use it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, we know, we know what to do, don't we? <laughs> And look, this is not limited. This is not limited to a, a church offering. This is a lifestyle. This goes way beyond that. It's something that God wants us to operate in on a daily basis, being aware, being yielded to the moving of his spirit that we would operate in this. And the results that come from operating in God's kingdom, doing things his way is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Glory to God. Lord bless you. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I, I thank you for your word, that your word is truth. It's always true. Will always be true. And Lord, I just... Uh, Thank you for the word that's gone in to hearts right now and continues to. Lord, help us, enlighten us. Let that grace that you've placed within our hearts become an illuminating force within us, Lord. Let that reflection be seen. Not, not something that we're striving to, to be um, or do but something that just comes from a natural process of, of yielding our hearts to you. So, Lord, I just pray a, a blessing uh, on the giver um, according to your word because you promised that blessing. And, uh, and, Lord, all the glory is yours and all that we do. Let it be for your glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. I'm going to, I'm going to hand over to Jeffrey. Have we gone through volume? Pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I I really want the. Um, the passing of the bucket to come back. 
it's all, I know it's not, but it almost feels a little bit like an anti-climax when you get to the end of it and there's no action. Like, I think we should start passing the bucket and passing the, the thing. I, I just, you hear this great offering teaching and then you want to act on it because your faith's built up and nothing. Now, I know it's not nothing because I know people are giving online, but I just need to do the action while I'm feeling inspired. So if anyone feels they want to put in the letterbox, feel free to do it because to me, I'm sort of ready to give. Not because I'm, I'm being um, manipulated in any way. It's just that I feel my faith begins to rise when I hear a fresh word about honouring God with what I have. I'm, I feel like I'm doing the offering teaching now. But, but I, I just feel that we should, and I don't know whether it's politically incorrect, but I'm not political anyway. So um, I want to see the bucket start moving again because it gives us the opportunity to act. And anyone feel the same way? Because faith without an action, you know, it's dead. And I know we've had to adapt to certain things that are going on. And there's a lot of changes going on, aren't there, in the world. And there's a lot of changes going on in the church as well. A lot of things that people do not understand or see at the moment. But God is getting his church ready for the greatest move and demonstration of his spirit that has ever touched this planet. And if we don't have the eyes of the spirit, if our heart's not in tune with what God is doing and saying, we could miss it. And if you look around in the natural, and don't you love a long weekend when everyone goes away for the weekend? It's really discouraging for the preacher sometimes when you're looking here and there's no one here to talk to. And you've got to keep walking around to catch a person here and there. But I do enjoy a long weekend, but it's just unfortunate that people go away. But I'm thankful that you're here because this is pretty pointless without someone sitting here. So thank you for coming this morning. I do appreciate it. <laughs> what I was going to say a minute ago before I got distracted, it says in the book of Revelation about he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let him hear. What does that mean? He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. So it could be something that the Spirit is saying that the eye doesn't see. Because it may not be apparent in the natural yet, but you've got to have your ears in tune with what the Spirit is saying so that you understand what's coming and you're preparing for what God is about to do. You know, when, when the, the church was meeting after Jesus ascended, then the church, the people, were gathered together and they were of one accord and they were praying. 
They were waiting. Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. I wonder if any of them had a clue what was going to happen. But they were prepared for it. They were preparing their hearts. They were waiting on God. And as we're waiting on God, why would you be waiting on God? Because you have an expectation. You have a hope from the Spirit of God that something is going to happen. And we need to have our hearts prepared and recognize something is going to happen. And I listen to the prayers that are coming up out of this church from some people and I think to myself and I thought it this morning, God, how could you withhold from the prayers that I'm hearing? If you're hearing these prayers, how could you hold back? And if I can feel that way, how much more the Spirit of God. So he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, let him hear. Let's get tuned in. What does it mean? It means to be hungry for what we're expecting God to do. Preparing my heart ready for what God wants to do. And that's an individual response. And when the individual takes the responsibility of waiting on God to hear what the Spirit is saying. And we come together collectively with one accord, one purpose, one heart. We are going to see a move of God like nothing that has ever touched this planet. Are you hungry for what God wants to do? See, now, I have a a few messages I've prepared and, and it's in line with the book of Acts and what was happening in the church. And I, I want to share those things, but they're on hold at the moment. Because I believe there's a preparation time where we've got to be thoroughly prepared. And sometimes it's just the mercy of God that's holding off so more people get in tune, so that people get lined up in their hearts so they don't miss what God's doing. So sometimes what seems to be a delay is just the mercy and goodness of God. So we've got to be very careful we don't get... persuaded by what's happening in the natural or what we don't see, we have to have the eyes of faith from the Word of God to know that we know without a doubt I'm in the place God wants me to be, I've got my heart prepared for what he's going to do and I am so hungry for God to move. And when this happens, it's going to hit and there's going to be such a revival and an in-gathering in the churches, there will not be enough room in the present churches to hold what God is doing. There are so many scriptures and types in the Bible of what God is going to do in the last days and the end is so, so much better than the beginning. And if one sermon that Peter preached could bring in 3,000 people and the end is better than the beginning, are you ready for it? Are you prepared to be an individual fountain or well of water to be able to supply for the people that are coming because there's going to be a lot of hungry, thirsty, abandoned people who are going to need to know the power of God, the revelation of God and the love and the grace and the mercy of God. 
And every one of us need to be taking a personal responsibility to be storing up and to be a prepared person for what God's going to do because God wants to use you. And it doesn't matter how old, how young, whatever the circumstances, it's not about any more than I present myself to God as a yielded vessel. That's all it takes because it's not of you, it's not of me. And if and we get to the place where we just yield to God, the Holy Spirit, here I am, if I'm of any use... And God says, of course you are. Of course you are. If you knew what I can do through a yielded vessel, <laughs> and you're, kind of, you're going to be shocked about what God does through you. There's going to be so many areas for us to function in as members of the body of Christ. We've got a whole world out there that's so hungry and so confused and upset and angry. And we just come with a peace and the rest that we've got from God. You know, that can just change a heart. Oh. So, you know, my thoughts I love teaching on the scriptures about what God is preparing you and I for. And, and we have examples in the book of Acts that I, I am going to share on later on. But I said it's just on hold at the moment because I believe there's a, there's a real need, importance for us to have our hearts prepared. And what's it mean? It means, it means to be yielded. It means to be soft before God. It means to be open to whatever the Spirit of God wants to say. And it'll be different things for different people. It'll be tailor-made for you. Can you understand that what God has got for you is not what God has got for me? Although it'll all be part of the feeding cycle, but it's going to be, it's going to be where you are with your unique personality, with your circle of influence, and that's where God wants you to have an impact, and that's all he wants. And it's not about comparing what I do with what you do or thinking what you do isn't as important because it's not pulpit ministry. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about having an ear to hear what the Spirit says and then knowing that when you stand before Him, it's going to be well done, good and faithful. That's all I want to hear. It's really all I ever want to hear. When I, when I, I don't want to go yet. You know, I, I love the thought of going to heaven, but I'm not ready to go yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful place, but I've got other things that God's put in my heart that I want to see down here. Yeah. And so I was thinking a little bit during the week 
about what Tim was sharing last Sunday. And if you weren't here, he was sharing about the, the wineskin. And that can be likened to us or it can be likened to a church or it can be like the, the fresh move of God and the, the old way of doing things not being um, conducive to what God wants to do and the changes that need to happen. And, and I guess I've preached change for a long time. But there's still more change that's needed. And so the example that Tim had was a dried out chamois. And that sort of stuck with me. An illustration always sticks with you, doesn't it? You've got a visual that you can remember. And this dried out chamois that Tim had was absolutely useless in the state it was in. Have you ever rubbed up against a dry chamois? It's scratchy, it's, it's irritating. Do you know some Christians are scratchy and irritating? Have you ever come across a scratchy, irritating Christian? Don't put your hand up, please. But we do. And what's the problem? What, what is the problem? A lack of water. That's all it is. Once you put it in the water, it's soft, it's smooth, you can rub it all over your body. It's just, it's just a chamois. A chamois without water is useless. But what a difference the water makes. And this is called the water of the word. And so I want to share a few thoughts on that, if that's all right. Okay. And the thought that came to me was, opinions are like chamois. Opinions, which we all have, are like chamois. Without the addition of water... The chamois is useless. So it is not my intention to offend any person sitting here this morning. Let me just preface it with that. But you could have an opinion that's not consistent with the change that God wants to bring into your life. So how can that be rectified? Soaking. Just by soaking in the water of the word will make you just what God needs for his word to be effective in and through you. So I want to read a couple of verses out of Ephesians chapter 5. And it's speaking here in verse 25, I think it is about husbands loving their wives and it being like Jesus loving his church. Now, I have noticed something. I guess it's been going on for a long time, but I've noticed of recent times there seems to be almost a... 
I don't know what to call it. An influence that is moving some people away from the church because they see faults with the church. Because the church isn't perfect, because the church isn't how I think it should be, I'm going to move out of that system and I'm going to just get together with some friends and we're just going to have our own little fellowship. There seems to be a move of this individualism, if you like, or can I say doing my own thing because I see faults with the church. Now in this scripture, we're talking about the love that Christ has for his church. He gave his life for the church. He loves the church. The church is his body. There needs to be the collective of all forms of diversity in Christianity to come together in unity of the Spirit and that will take a move of God. And God is going to do it. But you see, just because something in the church isn't perfect, can you see how the enemy uses it to say, well, the church really isn't what it should be and all the stuff that the, 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 the stuff that's been broadcast against the church, and there have been some problems, but there's problems everywhere in all sorts of organisations because the enemy has infiltrated every organisation on the planet, including the church. But I'm telling you, that's getting rectified. Boy, that's another teaching altogether. We'll stay away from that one for a few minutes. But, but the, the thing about it is Christ loves his church and he gave himself for the church. And when you find this, this woman of your dreams or the Hulk that you want to spend the rest of your life with, you find that person, the, the, the fiancé you had, the one that you love, and then you get married and you find out that's not the perfect person that I was going with a few months ago. I'm going to leave that. I'm getting a divorce. That's the way of the world. And that's what's crept into the church. I don't like the way that person spoke to me in the church, so I'm leaving the church. I don't like the way my wife spoke to me, so I'm divorcing her. I'm getting out of that because that's not what I expected. That is so selfish. And that's the root cause that's behind a lot of people leaving the church. They're plain selfish. And they're not getting their selfish needs met the way they want to be catered to and, and, and not allowing the word that comes and the people that come that rub a little bit to get the sharp, rough edges off to make us a smooth stone that's going to be fitted together We've all got sharp edges. We've all got, some people have got sharp tongues, haven't they? Some people have got sharp body language. Some people have got sharp action. So it's all 
rubbing together with the, the understanding of God's molding us all, God's working on us all. And when the word comes, it's a little bit cutting at times. Maybe it's just taking something out of my life that's going to make me more pliable as the water of that word touches my vessel, my wineskin, my chamois, and making me more pliable and useful to him. And so you don't just opt out and, well, I'm going to find another woman to marry. And some people go from marriage to marriage to, and they just, and then they finish up, well, I'm not getting married anymore. But what's the, what's the common denominator through it all? So you can see how quite often it's simply selfishness that causes people to leave the body of Christ. But you can't tell them that, can you? Because they want it their way. And then I'll form a little group and everyone will do it my way and then we'll all be happy. Don't want to get down that rabbit hole at the moment. It's taken me a long time to get to this, but I want you to understand it's preparation. And if we can allow the preparation of the Spirit to work His work in us and through us, we are going to be part of the glorious church. And we'll read these verses. In verse 20, the end of 25, it's speaking about the devotion of Christ demonstrated to his bride. For he died for us, in verse 26, to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Can you get the picture of showering us? If we will allow, some people just want to stay stinky. Can you imagine not having a shower for two weeks. Could anybody imagine that missing church for two weeks could have the same effect? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because it's very important, even if we don't see it in the natural, there's a spiritual connection that we're making with the Spirit of Christ when we yield our time and come together corporately, now that doesn't mean you can't go away for the long weekend. I'm not saying anything like that, but we've got to understand our priority and the, the, the importance of being collectively supportive of each other and backing each other up and not allowing the gossip to cause division and separate, not taking a, a... Boy, I want to stick to the point, but it's just going this morning. Sometimes we can be distracted by a deceptive word that may have truth partially and, and stuff in it that we, we want to hear the goss. I want to hear the latest bit of stuff. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? I don't want to hear that sort of stuff. We want to be a people who are not interested in hearing gossip about anybody else in the church. 
If you have an ear that's sensitive and wanting that sort of stuff, you need to get before your father and say, Lord, help me. Help me that I don't have that desire to hear what's going on that's not of you. Lord, I just want to be soaking in the word. This is where opinions can be so important to our walk in God. The showering of pure water of the word, all that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure. What's it going to take for the church to grow up, I wonder? A mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him. Here's the church, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. That's the church I'm looking for. And that's why some people go from church to church to church to church. But the problem is they're taking their floor with them. We've all got them. So we might as well just settle down and let the word deal with it. I'm not sure whether you know it, but Bendigo is notorious for sheep swapping paddocks. God wants to bring in the unsaved. God has already... Hmm, how do I put this? <laughs> Look, there's, there's, there are many flavors of church... Many different flavors and many different ways that the Spirit of God is going to move in different churches, and there'll be different uh, uh, styles and and types of churches according to to where people are at and what they what they desire, and and that's fine, that's good. And I've said it to Tim, there'll be many flavors, but as long as it's all ice cream. Okay, the church is ice cream. It's good. Many flavors. Okay? And it's it's and I like all the different flavors. But as long as it's still ice cream, then it's good. Then it's good. Okay, so it's fine to have all the different flavors and the expressions and the way God's going to do things and, and that's going to all work together and you wait, you watch, you watch what God's going to do. There, there's, there's coming, there's coming, there is coming, but we don't want to get distracted with that, do we? There is, there is coming a unity between the churches because that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do and it'll just be like, we'll all be our own little house group, the city of houses of God's church. All right? And so we can all have... A, see, we can't all fit in one place, can we? So God is going to have, have his church 
in this city located in different places and as long as it's ice cream, it'll be good. And God's going to have his way and there'll be different flavours that we like. But as long as we all realise we're in this together, we don't want to be... We don't want to be just saying, well, I don't like chocolate ice cream, I'd rather vanilla, and start talking about chocolate. Don't, don't get into all that sort of stuff. Okay, as long as the Spirit of God is in the place and the people have an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying, God's going to move in the place and God's going to do his work. And sometimes because of personality differences, we like different places. That's fine. But we need to recognize that the word that's coming forth by the Spirit of God is working in me to change me, to produce what God wants in my heart so I can be useful, so I can be functioning in my calling in the place that God wants me to be and I'll be all that God wants me to be and I'll love it. I'll be so graced in what God's given me to do that I'll just enjoy my life in God. I really will. So, washing by the pure water of the word of God. There's a verse in Titus 3, 5, and it says, the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Who knows that verse? Good. The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening when the word's coming forth by the Spirit. There's the washing and the renewing. The washing, the washing, the cleaning up because we're out there in the world during the week. We've got to be messed up and dirty with stuff. So we're getting washed by the water of the word. And then there's the renewing of the Holy Spirit. There's a, a refining, there's a changing, there's a soaking in the water of the word so that I become useful, I become pliable, I become yielded, I become someone who's soft before God. And then it says about this verse, the regeneration, I looked it up in my Webster's Dictionary, my original 18, whatever, 21 or 26 or something like that. It means to implant holy affections in the heart. That's what the Spirit of God is doing in the church with the washing and the renewing or the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. It's implanting, planting that little seed in your heart, holy affections in the heart. So we can have a change of heart just by hearing the gospel. You've heard the expression, he's had a change of heart. He's different. What's happened? The water of the word got in there. And instead of being scratchy, they became soft, pliable. So the water of the word, washing and cleansing, softening our hearts, keeping us in a place where we can be a vessel of honour before him. So the verse I want to read now is in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm not sure which translation I want to read it out of. I might read it out of my King James, New King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. Just prior to this, Paul's been speaking about the light 
of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And then he says in verse 5, for we we do not preach ourselves. I wonder what he means by that. What do you mean, Paul? We do not preach ourselves. You're thinking, why put that there? He's talking about Christ. And he says, we don't preach ourselves. I wonder if Paul came across some preachers who were preaching themselves. Well, how could that happen? What does it mean? Is the word that's coming forth Christ? Is it the word of God? There are preachers who preach themselves. They may have a whole lot of great stories, but who's the sermon all about? What's the sermon all about? Sometimes I've heard messages and I've thought, did I miss something? What was that? Was there anything about God in that? Was there anything about Christ? Sometimes there can be preachers who are just preaching all sorts of fluff. Dangerous subject to get on. But the fluff is going to get swept out of the church. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. What should be the motivation in the preaching? What should be the message in the preaching? Christ and him crucified. That's the message. We don't preach about ourselves. We preach Christ and the power of the gospel. Christ in you that you may recognize the power of the resurrected Saviour in you. This word should be a word of encouragement to build you up in Christ, to make a revelation of the holiness that God wants to produce in and through the people, in and through his church, by the washing, by the showering of the water of the word and the regeneration and the renewing of the spirit to place that seed of holiness in your heart. We don't preach ourselves. We don't talk about ourselves. We just want to magnify and glorify Christ who gave himself for the church. And ourselves, we're bondservants for Jesus' sake. So the preacher's here to serve.
Some preachers want to be served. It's so important. It is so important that we know that we know the word that I'm hearing preached is washing, renewing, encouraging, But then it can also be convicting, correcting. <laughs> but do we have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying? So that we recognize what God is saying is preparing my heart to receive the more. Creating a hunger in my heart for more of what God has. That I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for what God has done in my life, but I realize there is so much more that God has in store that he wants to reveal to me so that he can reveal it through me so I can be a vessel that's flowing in the Spirit. We, this is something else that we're going to need to hear a lot more about, the flow of the Spirit, so that we learn to flow with the Spirit of God. So... I will read it from the Passion. <clears throat> we don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For we are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us the brilliant dawning light of the glorious gospel. It just dawned on me. I can see things clearly now. I understand the heart of God. I'm getting revelation knowledge of the holiness of God and what he's producing in me. This brilliant light that shined out of darkness, cascading his light into me, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. As we're reading the word of God, we should be seeing Jesus. And we have a face-to-face -face encounter in the word with Jesus, the one who gave himself, who loved me and gave himself for me, that he could work his work in me and through me to perfect that which he has begun. The good work he's begun, he's going to complete it. If we'll just allow him to keep working by his spirit and have an ear to hear what the spirit's saying, to allow that word to create a hunger in my heart for more truth because with truth comes the grace of God and we need the grace of God to be able to walk in the power of the Spirit and we're going to be so, 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 uh, 
This is where it gets difficult to talk about. The, 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 the grace of God. If we understand the, the boundless dimensions of the grace of God, that's his favor to empower us for everyday life in him. And it's the Zoe God kind of life. This is the life he wants you to be living. The God kind of life. The life that's full of Christ. The life that's full of the word of God. That's an overflowing that God has put so much in me by his spirit that I've just got the joy of the Holy Spirit. I've got the peace of God ruling in my heart. Nothing that happens out there affects my walk with God because I am so solid and standing on the rock that I know that I know Christ loves me. He gave himself for me and he's going to protect me. He's going to keep me. He's going to watch over me and he's going to reveal more truth. And the hungrier I get, the more he's going to reveal and it goes from glory to glory to glory. There's no downs in God. Some preachers enjoy preaching about the valley experience. But I'd much rather hear the preacher who's talking going from glory to glory to glory to glory because that's the revelation, the light of the gospel that we do not have to have these downers in God. Oh, but I have some terrible experiences. Well, let the light of the gospel come and lift you up out of it. Let the peace of God begin to rule. Let God's word begin to speak to you in those times where you know that you know God is with me. God is for me. There's a scripture that says, when men are cast down or when people are saying things aren't good, you will say, no, there is a lifting up in God. So when people come with oppressive stuff and how bad it is, no, there is a lifting up in God. When people say there is a casting down, and, and David even confessed, he said, why are you cast down? Oh soul, why are you cast down? When there is a, a feeling of I feel cast down, you've got to start speaking that word and allow the rivers of living water to start coming up. No, there is a lifting up in God. And who's the one that's going to lift you up? The Christ spirit in you that's been so, so, so in, in, <laughs> enveloped in the word of God, that spirit of Christ in you that's got the washing of the water of the word and you know that you know I don't have to be going through this, this valley of depression. I don't have to be going. Now you go through stuff, I know that, but there is a lifting up and we have to recognize that we have to speak the word of God if we're going to experience what God says. We've got to get our mouth in line with the Word of God. It is critical, so important that we begin to recognize I've got the source of living water and I'm going to drink from that water and I'm going to get out of that water. I'm going to be a well that's overflowing. Let that well become a river. See, it speaks about the the well of salvation. Well, we have that well of salvation and we're well, we're feeling great, but that well is supposed to become a river within you. When the Holy Spirit begins to charge that well, that water of the Word, that regeneration of the Spirit, we're going to know what it is to walk in the power. 
There's a release of power that comes through your mouth as you begin to declare there is a lifting up in God. The greater one who's in me. See, there's so much oppressive stuff in the world. There's so much going on in the world that can begin to start to weigh us down when we get focused on it. But we have to know that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, who's got everything under control, who's wanting us to come through this victorious in Him and begin to speak the Word of God, that the Spirit of God that is within me is quickening every part of my physical being right now. The same Spirit who raised Christ from there dwells in you. I had a whole lot of other stuff I wanted to share, but I wanted to stick with this for a moment. We have to understand that the devil, the enemy, Satan, the liar, the deceiver, is trying to oppress God's people. And we have to recognize that you and I have the same Spirit of life dwelling in us that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. And you can't get any dead person to to activate anything, can you? So he's dead. The body, dead. Sometimes you might feel like, I've just had it. But you have got that resurrection power in you, whether you feel it or not. And when you begin to activate your tongue with the Spirit of God, with the Word of God. You watch that resurrection power begin to start working in the church. This is what we're coming into. People have a revelation of the resurrection power of Christ. How did Jesus become alive again? He spoke the Word before He went to the cross. He actually activated the Word before... And then when the body was dead and could do nothing, that resurrection power worked and raised him from the dead. We have to understand the power that's released when we speak the word of God. When we're speaking the truth, we've got the spirit of truth to back up the truth when we feel that we have no energy, when we feel we have no strength, when we feel I can't go on. We have that life-giving power of the spirit within and he will raise us up again. He will bring us back to that place of understanding God is with me, God is in me, God is all things to me. I've got the word of God, the living power of God. I've got the spirit of God. I've got angels working on my behalf. You have angels waiting to do God's will. What activates the angels? You speaking the word of God. When the angels hear you speak the word of God, they are activated. We're going to see the angels moving a lot more. We're going to see the angels acting for us on our behalf. There's going to be a lot of angelic activity happening. This is a word right now for the church. I hadn't thought about angels this morning, but I know that I know we are coming into a time of angelic activity intensifying in the church. I like that. Angelic intensity in the church. It's going to be activated in a way that we're going to see the supernatural lifting us up out of the valley, lifting us up out of the gloom, lifting us. God is activating the word by the Spirit out of our mouth. The angels, it says, I think it's Psalm 103, the angels heed the voice of the Lord or the voice of his word. So you put his word on your lips 
and release it with your voice, that is what activates the angels. You want your angels doing some things for you? You want some power to start shifting things around in your circle of influence? You want to see the angels ministering to you? You want to see the angels starting to do things on your behalf? They are waiting. They are waiting for the church to get a revelation. They are your ministering spirits. You don't boss them around. You don't order them around. But you acknowledge God has given me angelic support. (laughs) Can you imagine, just for a moment, how that's going to get the attention of the world when they see the supernatural activity flowing in and through the church in a way that can only be described as supernatural. There is no other explanation. It's the God factor. Angels, the church has gone to sleep regarding the ministry of angels. (laughs) If you could see with your spiritual eyes. Oh, we need to have our eyes enlightened, don't we? Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now that you would enlighten our understanding, that your word this morning, that quickening power of the washing of the water of the word that can change my thoughts, that can change how I'm feeling, that can change what I think. Lord, that word that's coming forth by the Spirit to activate the supernatural, to activate that which is within that's going to come forth by the Spirit of God as I speak that word in line with what Jesus has said and speak that word the Spirit of God is bringing up that I have angelic powers at my disposal to do the Word of God. So when I begin to speak in line with the Word of God, I have no fear, I have no worry, I relax, I enjoy the presence of God and I know that the angelic supply is working on my behalf. For surely there is a time coming where this world is going to be in such dire straits but the Word of God to the church is, I will shine my light, you shall walk in the light, you shall be protected by the light, there be no lack in my church, there'll be no want in my church, for I have empowered my church to walk by the power of my spirit and see the angelic provision that's going to carry the church through this time and there'll be a glorious restoration of my plan, my purpose in the wonderful name of Jesus. Woo! Wow. 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 Can you imagine people in the church saying, wow. Wow. Can you see why God's preparing something in your heart right now? Getting your expectation up. That revelation knowledge that's causing me to realize there's so much more that God has in store. 
And he wants to see it starting to be released in and through the church. Oh, I better stop. <laughs> oh, now what do I do? We didn't get into that message much, but it'll keep. What I had was wisdom, um, wisdom of God. So I'm going to read Proverbs 2, 6. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God and every word he speaks is full of revelation and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse with wisdom made accessible to his godly ones who becomes your personal bodyguard as you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Then you will discover all that is just, proper and fair and be empowered to make right decisions as you walk into your destiny. When wisdom wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pressure enters your soul if you choose to follow good counsel, divine design will watch over you and understand will protect you from making poor choices. And then also it goes on to verse 12, and that was the passion I just read out. In the New Living, wisdom will save you from evil people and from those twisted words um, that people have. And... I just think we need wisdom as well as all. We just need understanding. We need God's truth. We need his protection. And, um, and it says in Proverbs 4, 7, getting wisdom is the wisest thing we can do. Whatever else we do, develop good judgment. So, um, and here... With God, this is the greatest wisdom God gave us, his son Jesus, wasn't it? That um, Jesus' fulfilment of God's wisdom. So if you'd like to stand. Lord, we just thank you for your wisdom, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that you made a way for each, uh, each one of us, Lord, that, your, that Jesus' body broken for us, that we can come right into the throne room of God, Lord. And we just thank you that um, we only have to ask for wisdom, Lord, and you said you'll give it to us, Lord. And Lord, we're just asking for your wisdom in every situation we find ourselves in, Lord, and as we progress 
um, as we go on in life, Lord, that your wisdom is there showing us the way, Lord, helping us as we go through um, our lives. Lord, thank you for the bread of life. Let's partake. And the cup of blessing. Wow. Can I say wow too? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> um, I came to church pretty tired this morning and I'm so glad I came. That was such great encouragement. Thanks, Jeff. Really good. I can just say wow too. <laughs> um, our announcements this week. No playgroup tomorrow. It is a public holiday. So don't turn up at work either, please. <laughs> Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting at 7.30 at the church. Always a good time, so if you can come along, that would be great. Thursday is men's group, 7.30 at Steve's house, which is 16 Grant Street, Long Gully. Um, and you are looking at the end time parables that Jesus told. So I'm sure that's going to be a great time. I know my husband is very excited about that. Um, upcoming announcements, we have a new website launching on Sunday the 20th of March. This website will provide the majority of our information for upcoming events. So the Creek Street Church weekly news that we get via email will become monthly instead. We have a baby dedication coming up. We love the babies. Um, Sunday, May the 22nd. So if you would like to dedicate your little one, please come and see Tim. Uh, just some extra notices. We have library resources available each Sunday, our beautiful bookshelves. Um, I love reading. So if anyone else loves reading, I suggest having, having a look at the books over there and borrowing one out. Um, if you have any questions about the library, please see Jenny Murphy. And volunteers. If you came to our volunteer night a few weeks ago now, um, Sammy will be contacting you this week to set up your Alvanto account and give you any information about the role if you need it. So I think that's all from us today. Have a great Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Gwyn is excited for his afternoon. Um, enjoy your long weekend and enjoy your week. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday. See ya. I know.